The NFL lost a true legend this week in a Hall of Fame coach, broadcaster, and video game pioneer, John Madden. Mailbag questions about the Miami Dolphins and Minnesota Vikings off-seasons, past, present, and future. And we'll start digging into this week's schedule, preview, and picks for Week 17. All that and more right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Uh, we hit a lot of tweets at those Twitter handles yesterday. Matt, uh, probably sure one did. of our best shows of the year. Absolutely. Only problem is, Matt, you and I were the only ones that got to experience it because due to <laughs> some uh, computer and technological issues that I don't want to get into, I, and I'm not going to put this on you, Matt. I'm not going to say we lost it. I lost the entire podcast moments before saving it and uploading the final. Like, it was ready to go. And uh, I haven't had that happen to me with a podcast in years. And that was something that malfunctioned. Like, technology is a lot more stable than it used to be. Years ago, it was easier to lose a podcast or screw something up. I know there's always stories of podcasters in our locked-on DMs of someone who has a great interview with somebody, and it only picked up one side of the conversation or something like that. Like, that kind of stuff doesn't happen to me anymore. I, I, I think of myself as a professional. I, I, I completely lost the entire podcast yesterday and and to be and we're joking but it was a good one i really enjoyed yesterday's show too unfortunately yeah i mean i've been podcasting now going on 20 years going back to football today espn i tell those old stories no one even knew what a podcast was and i gotta say the world was probably robbed of the greatest podcast i've ever done yesterday you know i mean (laughs) it's unfortunate but you know, if we had to lose one, we lost the greatest one in the history of my podcasting career. Such is life. The Titanic went down. You know? It happens. I, you know, like in the future someday, there's going to be bootleg recordings of it. Somehow somebody got a copy <laughs> of it and it's out there we somewhere. And, uh, and they'll be paying, you know, thousands of dollars for it on eBay. But It's like the Hannes Wagner baseball card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the Hannes <laughs> Wagner tobacco card. That's exactly what... Uh, the Wednesday episode of Peacock and Williamson was for December 29th, 2021. But we're here on December 30th, and if you're listening to this podcast, that means that everything went well, and I might have to get a new computer in the new year, because, I mean, that's only one time that I had a uh, uh, screw-up like that, but uh, I don't like that. I want things to be as stable and um, as good as possible for my podcasting world as much as I do this stuff and, you know, 10-plus podcasts per week. So, um, anyway... Yesterday's show, I want to talk about some of the things that we talked about yesterday. Let's see if we can do a condensed version of it and some big ideas from yesterday's show because it was so fun. The big takeaways for me from yesterday's program, before we get into those week 17 matchups, and we'll start with the early games and go through them, and whatever we don't get to today, we will make previews and picks for the rest of the week 17 schedule on tomorrow's program. But uh, one big takeaway was John Madden, and uh, yeah, you know, yeah. just sad to lose someone who is a legend and, and really... Uh, what we came to the conclusion of was that John Madden was maybe the most important f- figure in the NFL, at least in my Ever. lifetime, right? Yeah, most influential. I mean, so many different avenues to reach people. You know, I mean, 
I, I went into unbelievably explicit and entertaining detail yesterday about, you know, my very early years. He was a Raider head coach and, you know, you were taught to hate the Raiders as a Steeler fan. And then when I started to kind of have a clue what was going on, he's the one, you know, broadcasting to me. And then next generation, my sons learned so much from his game. You know what I mean? So uh, very, very cool. I mean, a huge loss. I often reference the Christmas Day show that just happened to come out. I'd watched it the day before Coach Madden passed. And, you know, I think everyone should try to see if they can find it. I think they've been replaying it on, like, Fox Sports 1 or something like that. I don't know where. That's not my department. Go look for it. Yeah, answered a lot of questions, actually, that I had uh, about Madden. So uh, I want to yeah. want to finish that and, and watch that. It's awesome that they got that out and got that out before, unfortunately, that uh, John Madden did pass at the age of 85 years old. Um some questions in the mailbag, some good ones about the Dolphins and the Vikings specifically. Um, short answers here on those teams. One was, you know, with the emergence of Jalen Waddle for the Miami Dolphins and seeing how they've gone on a winning streak now. And that pick that they traded away is looking a lot more like a, a pick uh, in the 19, 20, early 20s range if they keep winning versus what looked like it could have been a top five pick that they traded away to move up from 12 to 6 after they moved back with the Niners from 3 to 12. If that looks like it was a better move now than it did halfway through the season after a seven-game losing streak by the Dolphins, and and the and really it's like yes, it looks better, but I sure. still think they lost a lot of value going back from twelve to six. I, th- I thought it was a, a coup for them. It was a huge move for them. They had already drafted their, uh, you know, what they thought was their franchise quarterback the year before. You're at pick three to get multiple first-round picks to move back to 12 and still have uh, be in that blue-chip range. And I thought there was actually exactly 12 blue-chip prospects in the draft last year. That was the perfect spot for them to be in, and they gave up so much of that value to move up again to six. Would they have still gotten Jalen Waddle even at 12? Possible. I don't know. Probably not. Maybe, though. Um, would it have been Devontae Smith instead? I would have been okay with that, Devontae Smith in a first-round pick. I actually liked Devontae Smith better at the time. Uh, Waddle's having a better year. There was Parsons, um, Slater. Slater. Slater's yeah, right. the big one. He actually went 12, I think, um, after all the movement that happened. Or was it 13? Anyway, th- there was going to be a really good blue-chip prospect for you at 12. I think they they lost a lot of value there. But, of course, it looks a ton better now because you feel good about Jalen Waddle. It's not that he was a bad player necessarily uh, with that pick, even though wide receivers can be had easily more easily later in the draft than some other uh, impact positions that you can't find later. Um but, yeah, so looks better. The pick that you gave up now is later, so that looks better. But I still think overall, you know, process over results kind of thing, uh, I still think they lost a lot of value, and I still think better move would have been to stay at 12 after the trade back from three. Yeah, and that's exactly how you laid out yesterday, which was perfect. And how I summed it up was, at the time even, and even looking back, when they made deal number one, I thought, wow, great deal. They got such a haul. They were kind of in no man's land anyways. But then when they made deal number two, I thought their position got a little weaker, you know, I mean, than where it was after deal number one. And then the last thing I, you know, we put a bow on was I brought up the Eagles. You know, the Eagles now have three first round picks, Miami, Indy, Philly. And just a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago, 
that looked like three picks in the top 12. Now they could all be playoff picks. (laughs) Right. Time changed quick. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And you know, what's funny though, is the Eagles, let's say the Eagles wanted to go get a quarterback and it's the same quarterback that the Miami Dolphins wanted to go get. The Eagles have extra picks because of the Dolphins to go get that player too. So, I mean, you know, this whole thing isn't done and we'll see where those picks land and end up being and who gets selected with those picks. But that's what's so fun about the NFL draft. And that's why I love it. And, uh, um, it's it's never ending fun, and of course, what we talked about yesterday was so much more funny and, and witty anecdotes. Oh gosh, and yeah. I mean, it was it, it was a, it was an amazing conversation about the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Uh, last one, real quick here about the Minnesota Vikings. And the more I think about this, the more I think I really really side on the sit Kirk Cousins and let Mond play. See what you have. At least the, the last game of the season, maybe even the last two games of the season. I know they're not going to do that because they're still quote unquote mm. in it and mathematically not eliminated. But just the the mediocrity of the Minnesota Vikings year after year, they've got to change something and they've either got to go for it big and try to build the best possible juggernaut around Kirk Cousins or see what they can get in trade for Kirk Cousins to a quarterback needy team. And maybe they have to get worse before they get better. And that might mean a change in leadership, GM, head coach, which was the question that we were posed. And, and sorry, I don't have it up anymore and, and don't remember the, the listener. Thank you, though, for who asked us that question. Is sure. it time to move on from Zimmer? And um, is it time to move on from your your quarterback and your GM as well? And and I might be – they're just – they're not going to change from what they are with the current plan. you got to change the plan. Either go for it, go for it, which could really end up hurting you long-term if you don't win it after going for it, or – Move Cousins, and maybe you get a little bit worse, but hopefully you get a lot better later. Yeah, the couple notes I had on that, you know, the cliff notes from yesterday are, I was calling them mediocre Minnesota. And, and that's, in a way, that's the worst place to be in the league. You know, I mean, that no man's land, that you know, plateau, it's just an average football team. Uh, a couple notes I threw out there was I didn't feel real strongly about totally blowing it up or going one more year. I'd probably lean more towards blowing it up and bottom out maybe for a year and start over and give Mond a shot and, you know, take that approach. And the other two points I brought up were no one has made more draft picks over the last two years. They're at like 25 or 26 draft picks over the last two years. And I don't look at the Vikings first, you know, first contract core players as an enviable group. I mean, Justin Jefferson's great and there's a couple but you would think, man, they have like 10 franchise cornerstones on cheap deals, and they really don't. And the other thing I brought up that I don't bring up a lot in this conversation, but it's very true, is there's a human element to owners. And not all owners value winning a Super Bowl the same. I'm not implying the Vikings are happy, or I have no idea what their ownership thinks. But I do know a lot of ownership groups or families are quite content to be seven eight nine wins be relevant every year fill your stadium Mm -hmm. sell cook and cousins jerseys and if we don't bottom out and lose everybody that's fine let's not risk it all and you know we just want to keep this thing rolling and the pockets full yep and that's you know you're going to lose some money if you don't sell even those cousins jerseys or you know those jefferson jerseys so that's i think the story i brought up yesterday was about a team that is close to my heart the san francisco giants baseball team and that yeah, you did, they right, reminded right. me of those late 2000s late career Barry Bonds Giants teams where uh, I was so frustrated with the team because they could never get over the hump but they were always good and they were always in it to the end and there was this famous quote from Brian Sabian the GM about how they'd only 
there had only been you know a handful of games, five games or eight games or something over the course of a decade where they weren't in it in the regular season. But they 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 didn't win anything. They did. He lost a World Series early in the uh, in the two thousands. But they started getting worse and worse, and just expensive old bad depth pieces around Barry Bonds and his greatness. And they they kept playing like they were in it, but they were getting worse. But they were still good, and they were in a very similar situation to where the Minnesota Vikings are every year. And they were good, but not a, a great team, and never a team that was going to go win it. And then finally, when Barry Bonds was done, and they still thought they were kind of in it and trying to, to do the same program, they collapsed, and they were bad for a few straight years while they were trying to be good. So they were accidentally bad enough to draft their next core, and they drafted Buster Posey and Tim Linscombe and Madison Bumgarner in the top 10 of the draft, and it ended up being great. But it was because they were bad that they became great, but they were bad accidentally. And now Brian Sabian gets to point to the rafters and say, look at all those championships I won. It's like, well, yeah, that was yeah. accidental. Like, who, you know, who was the uh, the scouting director? Give, give, he deserves the credit, not Brian Sabian for those teams. So that's the way uh, I look at the Minnesota Vikings in a way. They might have to get worse before they get better because it's going to eventually get worse anyway because they're just, you know, uh, in mediocrity right now. And it's got to be frustrating. And I already know it's frustrating just by reading the room with Vikings fans. Uh, they get better or get worse, but just you don't leave it the same. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in no man's land is brutal in this league. You know, just happy with the Daltons of the world or whoever. You know, and just being being competitive but not great gets frustrating. Um, two last notes. We'll probably should get the games here. Um, you mentioned Barry Bonds. I can't help but throw it out there. That was pretty much the last time I cared about the Pirates. Was you know early '90s Bonds Bonilla Vance like before teams like the yes. Giants just took all the good players and you know, Jose Lind into a farm. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Dre Beck, you know, yes, those type of guys. Beck. <laughs> and lastly, all jokes aside, maybe we should record a podcast twice, you know, every other day because we're much more concise today. And, you know, after we're talking about the same stuff, twice. Yeah, like, just like an NFL team, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a walkthrough and then we'll we're go walk through. We'll right. go do the real thing. Yeah. I like that. Exactly. All right, cool. <laughs> no so we talk. just, we just condensed 30 minutes of podcast into uh, about 12, 13 minutes there. So uh, exactly. let's, let's get moving on to some of these week 17 games. Of course, it was not as amazing and funny and witty uh, and poignant as our full podcast was yesterday, but we got some of the points across. And uh, yeah, rest in peace, John Madden. Let's uh, move on to week seventeen. You're gonna say rest in peace Wednesday's pod. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that uh, it did not have quite as much of an impact on uh, on the world as John Madden did. Unfortunately. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to week seventeen next. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bars make it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. Best of all, Built Bars contain only one, most Built Bars, they, they vary slightly, but most Built Bars contain only 130 calories, only 4 grams of net sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs, and 21 grams of protein. Some have a little bit more protein and maybe 10 more calories. Uh, compare that to a candy bar, which is usually 240 calories and 30 grams of sugar with dozens of net carbs. So you feel satisfied with all that protein, and you feel good about yourself, and you feel like you ate something delicious. You want 
to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. And by the third week of your New Year's resolution, you're thinking, oh, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real, delicious chocolate. So go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The Buffalo Bills, they are trying to hold on to the lead in the AFC East, and they have a beatable opponent coming to their house Sunday, Matt, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. The 7-8, and eight, remarkably 7-8 and eight Atlanta Falcons are on the road at the 9-6 and six Buffalo Bills uh, for, for a game that's only separated by 7-8 and eight and 9-6. and six. Those are the records for these two teams. Wow. The line is 14 and a half points for the Buffalo Bills at <laughs> yeah. home here, which tells you, uh, and I'm with the uh, I'm with Vegas on this one. Uh, the, the Falcons are overmatched despite being a, a team that could finish near 500 this year. I have one note that I want to bring up yesterday, and it'll be even more brilliant today, is they changed the COVID rules again in the NFL. So mm-hmm. my quick take on it, without I haven't been able to study them. They ha- They changed too quick. But it sure seems like those in charge just decided we really don't care if these guys have COVID. We just want everybody to play, and we don't want to talk, hear about games getting changed, and I don't want to ruin in the playoffs. So we're just going to pretend like we're really worried about it. But basically, everybody's going to be fine. <laughs> that was my mm-hmm. quick take on it. It seems like everybody's coming back all of a sudden. Like en- Enough of this nonsense. So I bring that up because it's Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, these guys, you know, are all these are these guys going to be available? I'm guessing they will, even if they won't. You know, guys like Isaiah McKenzie really stepped up. The Bills have shown a pension for blowing teams out. Atlanta is, it, I mean, their records are laughable that they're even similar. These two teams in Buffalo, I think the Bills blow their doors off when it's by twenty. Yeah, I think Beasley and Davis already have been activated from I think so. the COVID yeah. list. So, yeah, uh, and, and and that's big for them. And I do expect a blowout here. I don't, you know, cold weather games, we're in December in Buffalo. I don't, 14 and a half points is so many that I, I think I'm going to take the points here. Okay. But obviously, Bill's straight up. I, I just, you know, they're going to win by 12 or 13 instead of 14 and a half. You know, one of those kind of things. That's just a big number for um, for a team that still has a few weapons on offense and might be able to keep this one close. So less of a blowout, more than just a, a standard 10-point Bills win, I think, here on Sunday morning. This might be a little unfair, but when I think of Matt Ryan and wind and cold, I think of bad production from Matt Ryan. Yeah, kind of a, yeah, he's a quarterback <laughs> in the South. Um, although right. Boston College guy. So there's well, some cold weather Philly. games. Yeah, okay. He's been down in Atlanta for so go long. Well, and you don't see it very often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing to grow up in it. But he's, you know, it's been almost twenty right. years since he's been in. <laughs> right, that exactly. Um, speaking of COVID, and this was a couple of topics we talked about yesterday, and I guess we'll just go with with these as they come up with the games. Uh, we'll get to the 49ers tomorrow, and Jimmy Garoppolo and his thumb, and Trey Lance. That was a big subject on yesterday's podcast. Uh, Carson Wentz is another though. He is on the COVID list yeah. currently. Uh, he is unvaccinated, so. Unlikely he will be ready to go, although the, although the rules are changing so far in the NFL. But it's looking like Sam Ellinger might be the quarterback for those Colts. And they're hosting the 8-7 and seven Raiders. Uh, the Colts still favored by 6.5 points right now. But things, as we've seen, have not gone well for rookie quarterbacks this year. Could this be an Ian Book type of a game for 
the Colts as it was for the Saints last week, starting this is the eighth rookie quarterback, by the way, to start a game now with Sam Ellinger joining Book and, and, and Trey Lance. He's got one game under his belt and might um, be a rookie versus rookie game uh, over there for the 49ers. Uh, that against was one of Davis, your brilliant notes from yesterday yeah. too, right? That's a isn't that a league record or something? Uh, it's a, it's since 2012. It's the first time eight rookie quarterbacks have started a game in the NFL. Yeah, wow. if and Ellinger no starts Trask. this week, okay, and that's no Trask or Mond, right? So yeah, we get to guys. ten quarterbacks this year, especially if the Bucks sit Tom Brady in Week 18. Uh, th- this could be a record-setting year for rookie quarterbacks. Not really record-setting for how well they've done necessarily, but just the number of them that have played. Yeah, uh, who you got? Whoo. I've, I'll take it. You can think it over a little bit. Okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. I'll let you go first. Colts O line was just so destroyed this past week. I think that's a big component to what we expect here. But they're getting guys like Darius Leonard back. That Colt defense has been underrated great this year. Takes the ball away a lot. I think if Wentz plays, they easily cover. With Ellinger, though, I'm going to take the Raiders. Is that allowed? Uh, that's that's definitely allowed, and I, and I was going okay. to say the same exact thing. And I think the Colts can still win this game if you know uh, if they get some important pieces on the offensive line back and Darius Leonard back. I mean, that's huge, and you can still run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. And we've seen that teams tried to stack the box and stop him, and that hasn't worked. So I just don't want to take the six and a half points if it is Ellinger. So at this point, right. looking like more like Ellinger will start that game. Um, I'll, I'll take the points with the Raiders. But I still think the Colts can win that game at home, even with the rookie quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, it wouldn't be smart to, to give up that many points, I don't think, in that case. If Wentz plays, then I'll give up the points. I think they can win by a touchdown. Yeah, the Raiders just won't die. I got to give them credit. They won't, yeah. I mean, the, Ra- the Raiders are 8-7, and seven, and the Falcons at 7-8 are two completely different teams. I'd pick the Raiders all day if those two teams played against each other, even though they're only a game apart as far as a record. 100%. No doubt. How about... The New York Giants, who are traveling to face the Chicago Bears. The 4-11 and Giants at the 5-10 and Chicago Bears. Bears at home favored by six points here. Uh, the, Bears, the Bears haven't been favored by that much in a long time, but uh, they've got a team that's playing even worse ball right now coming into their house in the New York Giants. Um, a lot of it depends on who's playing quarterback. Is this going to be Glennon versus Foles? Is this going to be... Um, Fromm versus Fields. Fields? I would rather see Fromm versus Fields, but we saw how Fromm went last week. I think they're going to go back to Glenn in there because he came back in last week for the Giants. I don't think it matters who it is, but six points is a lot for a team that can barely put up six points of offense, period, this year in a game in the Chicago Bears. Especially an over-under 37. (laughs) I mean, that's a low total. I mean, I'd have to – my math skills aren't good enough off the top of my head. What are the projected totals then? I mean, a six-point line with a 37 over-under is hard to accomplish. Um, I No one cares about my fantasy team, of course, but I'm, I'm in <laughs> the hunt for that. overall points lead. And I'm down 30. I've led like 15 weeks in a row. And last week I had the Chargers D that got me minus seven points mm. against the Texans. That didn't feel so good. So overnight I put in and I got the Bears D. That's my streamer of the week. I got pulled them off the, the waiver wire. I'm pretty excited about it just because the Giants are so miserable. And to send some good mojo to my fantasy team, uh, I think that the Giants don't even get the 10 points in this game. And not even that the Bears are tremendous, but they're in a better spot than the Giants. I feel like the team has totally cashed it in, that their offense is probably the worst in the league. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay the points. 
I'm going to lay the points, too. This is a good opportunity for the Bears' offense to get right with Justin Fields. Fields and Andy Dalton both returned to practice this week, and I know Foles played pretty well and allowed the Bears to win that football game last week mm-hmm. against the Seattle Seahawks with a two-point conversion late. But when everyone's healthy, Fields is the guy, and Fields is playing. So I think it's going to be Justin Fields there starting here. Maybe some um, maybe some fireworks there with that offense. We'll see what they can do against the the Giants defense i think this one could be pretty ugly but i'm gonna take the bears at home to win this one by uh by a touchdown yeah i'll, I'll do yeah. bears by a touchdown just because i don't think the giants are gonna score much on offense either so yeah pretty uh, crazy if they're laying six points to anybody though <laughs> it is pretty crazy yeah and i almost you know? feel insane uh giving up that many points right now but i just like the way the bears are playing maybe a little extra uh giddy up in their step and of course they're at home after the win last week yeah, or it, they could lose, and it'd be Matt Nagy's last game. Right. Well, I think he's gone anyway. But it just depends <laughs> yeah, on he's when. Got one or two left. Yeah. yeah, it depends on when. And so there, there's the new rule, right, about uh, when coaches can or when teams can start talking to yes. other coaches, and that is now. It's the last two weeks, right? You could do it as we speak, from what, how I understand it. Right. And, so I'm surprised that there wasn't a bunch of firings after last week. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Nagy like, being one of those. You want exactly. to jump? I on mean, this. the ones that are foregone conclusions. Why not do it now? And you know, I thought the Jags were interviewing Leftwich and things like that. But uh, the, the Leftwiches of the world also have jobs, though. They can't just right. like tell Bruce Arians, "I'm going to be gone for two days while you guys prepare for the playoffs." Yeah, and if they're <laughs> and if the if the Bucks don't have a first round bye, you can't interview them until you know either they're right, done right. in the playoffs or if they go to the Super Bowl, you get that week in between. And and we've seen that before. That's a long time to wait. If the earlier you can talk to a, a coach, obviously the better. You don't have to wait. And then all these other teams are hiring all these other coaches and assistant coaches away. Maybe it's too late. Like the prelim, you know, you do an hour Zoom with Leftwich and say, we'll yeah. bring you in for the real interview when you guys are eliminated or whatever. And, right. you know, we'll just keep touching base so that you're not breaking rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Nagy's gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got to gotta be. Is Pace gone? That's the question. I would think so. Well, if Pace is making the decisions, Pace will stay and, and Nagy will be the scapegoat. <laughs> if the ownership is making the decisions, maybe they both go. But Nagy for Which... sure. <laughs> And which brings me back to yesterday's show that I meant to ask you. Your boy Trent Baalke is going to stay in Jacksonville, so he's going to make the coaching decision. Like, that is a terrible move. Do these guys not ever learn anything? Oh, Shad Khan, what are you doing? There's a reason why uh, that organization has been scuffling for so long, and it's not just who they have hired, it's because of who's doing the hiring. Right, right. And Trent Balk, I mean, that's just bad. Like, that's bad. And now you don't have the opportunity to bring in maybe half of your head coach candidates who have their own idea of who they want to be GM. So you have who Balky is going to hire. Balky's not well thought of. Uh, they have that that quarter, they have the quarterback in the bag. That, that's one thing. But even the shine off of uh, Trevor Lawrence is a, is a little bit more dull than it was before the draft last year. So he might not have the same pull for. Uh, for hiring whatever head coach they want that's available as they would have before, and keeping Balky was a bad move. And you don't have to even keep him yet. You could still bring back right. Balky later. You don't have to announce that now. Exactly. It makes, I mean, some of the timing in that organization and the way they just handle business makes no sense to me. And I'm sure there's some coaches just saying, eh, I'll wait till the next opportunity or I'll take the Bears job because I don't want to work with Bal. Yeah, it's a bad situation there. Chiefs, Bengals, Dolphins, Titans. We'll see how many games we get to from the 10 a.m. for the West Coasters. The 1 p.m. starts Sunday next. 
Things getting extremely interesting in the NFL as teams make the playoff push and bet online as you covered this holiday season and into the new year with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Not only NFL football, there is college bowls, NBA, pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, whether it's poker, blackjack, you can find it all and you can take advantage of all the amazing offers available this season at betonline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, those Kansas City Chiefs red hot at 11-4, and four, trying to sew up the one seed in the AFC. And they're traveling to Cincinnati to face those 9-6 and six Bengals. This is a good one, Matt. And the road team here, the Chiefs, favored by five points. A large over-under. Expe- expect some fireworks in this one. 51 is the over-under here. Yeah, I like the Bengals. I, I think that's too big a line in their building. I'm not sure that they win the game. I, I mean, I think it'll be a very competitive game. I think they have a chance to win the game. Part of me is thinking just throw a couple bucks on the Bengals' money line. But I don't want to overreact to the momentum they have right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this league usually slaps you back down right when you start to get kind of fool of yourself. We know the Chiefs are a very, very strong opponent. That's, I mean, I, I can't cite this enough. I mean, Andy Reid is 22-0 and 0 in his last December and November games. I mean, they, they know how to peak at the right time. I think that pass rush could cause a lot of problems. I mean, if the Chiefs win it, I think it'll be on the back of getting after Burrow and exposing the Bengals offensive line. But I also think Burrow's just really taking a step and those receivers are a handful. It's a good Bengals defense. And with all respect to the chiefs, I mean, they're a high, high quality team that would certainly be at the near the top of my power ranks. I don't know that they're the powerhouse that we're used to, you know I mean? Um, Steelers just rolled over and got killed. I mean, I, I don't know that Kansas City's this juggernaut that can't be derailed. I think they're getting closer to that. And, of course, having Kelsey mm-hmm. back and, and Tyree Kill, that's, I think that's too Huge. much for Cincinnati. Um, the, the Chiefs, if the beginning of the season didn't happen, we would be talking about the Chiefs as more of that juggernaut. And looking at their eight-game sure. win streak they're on right now, seven of those have been by more than five points. In fact, all the last seven have been by more than five points, and some of those huge blowouts. Um, a couple of them against the Raiders. A couple, one against the Broncos. They beat the the Cowboys, who are maybe the best team in the NFL right now. That's not the Chiefs. They beat them nineteen to nine. They beat them by ten and held them under True. ten points. So um, I'm actually I'm buying the Chiefs here, and I'm gonna give up the points, even though that home dog is kind of tasty with the Bengals here. But I think the Chiefs are more well-rounded, better on both sides of the ball, will be able to put up a ton of points against the, the Bengals and, and end up winning this one by a touchdown. I say this a lot about Cincinnati, and I'm not p- picking on Coach Taylor, but when you get to the echelon of division winner, expecting to win, I look at coaches a lot, and let's just say Andy Reid has the advantage. Yeah, Andy Reid has the advantage. <laughs> that 22-0 and in December – um, the Bengals, you know, aren't playing against a, a Ravens team with their co- quarterbacks all injured or on COVID, you know. So this, this, is a, right. this is a matchup for the Bengals, and let's see. And if they can knock off the Chiefs at home, that's huge and would be a big signal that the Bengals are ready to do something in January. Miami Dolphins, uh, another 
team that's won seven straight games. Uh, these two teams are streaking, the Chiefs and the Dolphins, the two hottest teams in the NFL. The Dolphins are at Tennessee to face the Titans. This with that Colts game, if the Colts can find a way, whether it's Ellinger or Wentz, to beat the Raiders, and uh, if the Titans lose to the Dolphins, there will be a tie at the top of that division, although we know the Titans do have that tiebreaker. So the Colts have to win out, and the Titans have to lose out for the Colts to win that division. Um, can the first half of that happen this weekend, Matt, with the, tol- the, the Dolphins traveling to the Titans? Tennessee favored by three and a half at home. I just kind of said about the Chiefs, you know, I'm super impressed with their win streak, but I'm not sure that it might inflate them a little. I definitely think it inflates Miami. And and here's their last seven wins. Houston, Baltimore, at the Jets with Flacco with how I remember. Carolina, I can't even remember who their quarterback was, but it was some sort of disaster. (laughs) Giants, same. Jets, and then they beat the Saints with Ian Book last week. So, any winning streak in this league is awesome. Winning one game is hard. I mean, let alone seven in a row. And this whole seven loss, seven win thing is super cool. And I do think the Miami defense is very, very legit and is super aggressive. But I'm a little afraid to pick them here because I think they might get slapped down by a physical Titans team that's starting to find themselves. But that three and a half makes me still take Miami. I hate the half on this one because I think it's going to be so low scoring. It's the over-under at 40. I would take the under all day on this one. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to run on that Titans defense. I think there's enough playmakers on the Titans defense to uh, limit the catch-and-run stuff from, uh, you know, the the dink and dunk sort of a a passing game that the Dolphins are probably going to try to employ to not get too killed when they are in those third-down situations if the Titans do stop the run like I think they will. Um and then on the other side, we have the Titans offense with getting A.J. Brown back was so huge for them last week. And seeing him take over in the second half against the 49ers on Thursday was like, wow, this team is different when they have those playmakers. And Julio Jones, you know, might play some percentage of the snaps there. And it's just different for that team. So I do like Tennessee here. Three and a half I don't love. But give me the Titans straight up. And I think I will. I, I'll say that the Dolphins streak does end here. And uh, some rest, a long week of rest after the Thursday game last week for the Titans. I think they can win this one by more than three and a half. So I, I will give up the points for the Titans at home here. Yeah, I'm with you, though. I just think it's a low scoring game. If this was two, I'd probably take the Titans. But three and a half was enough for me to pull the trigger on Miami. Yeah, that, I could absolutely see this being, you know, 2017 or... Um, yeah, yeah. You know, 17, 14, something like that. And the Titans 13, win by 10. three. And yeah, so that half point's huge. I might wait and see what happens if it, and depending on which way that line goes, maybe go that way or the other. Because mm-hmm. um, on a low scoring game like this, it could absolutely be a field goal game. Let's see. Uh, we're kind of out of time here, Matt. Let's do okay. one more that seems pretty darn obvious it's hard, here. It's hard compressing two podcasts into one. <laughs> it is, yeah. We're already <laughs> struggling to keep it uh, at the 30 minutes we're supposed to. Anyway, most shows, we're already over 30 minutes here. But let's get one more so we have fewer games to cover tomorrow where we still have the majority of the slate to get to. Um, the Patriots favored by 16 at home against the Jaguars. This one's pretty easy. The 2-13 and 13 Jaguars at the 9-6 and six Patriots. The Patriots, they're tied with uh, the Bills in the East and and trying to keep things going. A couple rookie quarterbacks here. This will be fun. Um, and we've had a lot of those rookie-on-rookie quarterback matchups this year with so many rookies starting. And this one is those first-rounders in Mac Jones hosting Trevor Lawrence. Um, 16 points. That's the question here because everyone in the world would pick the Patriots straight up against the Jaguars who are playing the worst ball in the NFL right now. 
Yeah, I don't know what to do on this one. Just because the line's so ginormous, obviously. I mean, the Patriots have come back to earth a little, but could they have three pick sixes in this game? Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> could they shut them out and the defense goes bonkers? Yeah. Uh, I think Mac Jones is coming back to earth a little bit and hitting a bit of a rookie wall. And I, I don't know that Lawrence you know, didn't hit the wall before he even put on a Jags uniform, considering what he's been having to deal with. <sighs> I just say that a lot in this one. Uh, give me the Jags <laughs> with a massive number. No way I'm putting a dollar of my own money yeah. on it. it. What's funny is the Patriots don't seem like a team that's going to blow people out. Um, right. You know, December at Foxborough, low scoring. They're going to try to run the ball, just get out of there with the W. But the Patriots have won by 16 points numerous times. There was a stretch where they beat the Panthers. 24-6, the Browns 45-7. They blanked the Falcons 25 nothing. 36-13 over the Titans. Um, they've, won, they've won games by this much, and none of those teams are, are – and all those teams are better than the Jaguars right now. So uh, that's what's tough about this. It, it, the yeah, line is too, I hate this game. The line is too big to really confidently put money on, on the Patriots, and that's why the line has to be that big. Uh, the over-under is 41-and-a-half. I, I do think this will be a low-scoring game, but I, I'm going to take the Patriots and give up those points – even though I wouldn't put a, a dime of my own money as you wouldn't on this game, because I think the Jaguars are literally going to score three points. I think it's going to be one of those types right. of games and maybe some defensive scoring e to go with it um, to help the Patriots, something on special teams, you know, something like that uh, for the Patriots to come out and, and win this game by a lot. Yeah, I, I hate this game, but I'm sure the Patriots get to 24-ish. I'm not sure the Jags get to 10. I'm with you. Okay, that is the beginnings of Week 17. We've got a ton of preview and picks to come on tomorrow's episode for the rest of the penultimate week in the NFL season. Bucks, Jets, Eagles, Washington, Niners, Texans, Rams, Ravens, Broncos, Chargers, Cardinals, Cowboys, Panthers, Saints, Lions at Seahawks, Sunday Nighters, Vikings at Packers, and Monday Night Football, the Browns at your Steelers. Maybe Ben's last game ever at Heinz Field. We'll get to all those games and make picks tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.